0: You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us.
1: We
2: don't want
0: to be saved.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we usually deconstruct and recontextualize these white savior movies through a POC lens, but. Today we've got something a little bit different for you. I am one of your hosts, and Clark.
1: And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason.
2: <laughs> yeah. Today we're we're gonna do some a little because from time to time we actually like to watch one good movies. We do, but we two, swear we like good movies. You know, yeah. <laughs> we also like to just kind of keep up with, you know, certain things happening within the culture and anytime there's a good black movie that we can kinda shine some light on and talk about that's something we certainly like to do you know we would love to do it more (laughs) we'd love to do it more we've also like been through a a rough stretch recently of films where it's just been like damn these are not necessarily like scraping the the barrel in terms of like the 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 name recognition but just like the quality of film has been like damn yeah i was about to say because the barrel's big take a little break (laughs) the barrel's still big (laughs) it's a big barrel it's a deep barrel but yeah like you know you're not you're not getting anywhere near fresh uh let's say it's, <laughs> a, it's an old barrel is something else to add but today we are we are talking about american fiction which is a new film that came out came out last month in december uh near the end of the year in certain markets and now it's getting a wider release here in january and we're we're going to be talking about it so if you haven't seen it or you know are planning to see it like maybe maybe come back to this episode put a pin in this one if you don't care about spoilers or you've seen it already or like you just want to hear what we have to say like we're gonna we're gonna discuss it you know not i was thinking like dissect it but that seems like a very harsh term for it i think more so just kind of get into a lot of the different things that the movie presents right yeah um, and our our reactions to it and i think you know where I want to start is is just general reactions and like I bring this up only because I we have talked about it and I I I want to continue to advocate for it you know it's the 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 Queen and Slim paradox of like you know it not not in relation to this this specific Mm -hmm. movie but just generally of like Queen and Slim was a movie that Black people didn't like, at least black people I know did not like that movie, but still had to say, yes, Queen and Slim, we support because we, you know, I, get, I don't want to get too hung up on the Lena Waithe of it all. But, like, people were like, oh, you know, it's Lena Waithe's first movie. Like, we don't want to, you know, derail anything that they have going on or, uh, you know, we like all the people in the movie right? Or yada right. yada. Um, but then at the end of the day, people were like, yeah, but that wasn't it. I mean, <laughs> that wasn't it. The, <laughs> the, the, the crazy you know, thing about that movie's, like,
1: kind of lifespan in the theaters was that exactly what you said, was that loud, loud upon entry, we were like, yes, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. This looks cool. And then as soon as people saw the movie, it was like, as soon as, like, the 10th the person saw the movie <laughs> and told their friend, they were like, Dam- damn, damn, damn. Oh that's, so, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And and you would also he- hear about other people going to see it afterwards and then also being like, damn, damn. So, like, that's yeah. really what happened there.
2: Yeah. But I think it was a somewhat watershed moment where black critics for the first time are kind of like, yeah, we don't have to support all, all yes. of them. In the, in the <laughs> modern we could age. You be honest about. Because I think that's what yeah. it is because now it's the modern age of cinema
1: where African Americans, like, you know, more people are getting a shot. Not everybody, but, like, more people are getting shots. And so when one of us gets, you know, the big shot, it's like, okay, we gotta go check it out regardless. And, like, in the 90s especially, it was, go see it. Don't don't matter what it is. I mean... Yeah. eh, But now, it's... Now we actually, again, like you said, have
2: choice. And that was... Have that choice. was a bad choice. <laughs> this, is, this is a good choice. Well, <laughs> yes, but I also think that it's it's incumbent upon us to continue to be honest about movies in terms of this, like, you know, we, we, can, we can speak openly about things that we liked about it, but also things that we didn't like about it, things that we wish were different about it, and not feel like, oh, you know, I, I can only say the good things, and then, like, the other things I feel, I'll keep that to myself until, you know, company isn't around you know? it's just Like, no we should probably discuss the whole of it I, so um, and that's what we, we're here before for. We, we that's what we're here for so before we get into it for people who um you know just want a little specifics behind the scenes again american fiction is a movie uh by core jefferson who has done a lot of different things mostly written for tv uh you might know him from Station Eleven from Watchmen, uh, from where he uh, won an
1: Emmy for his episode.
2: Yeah, um, I'm trying also to remember... Station Eleven, a banger. Nobody watched yes. it because
1: it was basically came out directly after COVID and was directly about COVID. But it's something we should have all seen.
2: Yes. Uh, also, you know, wrote for the Good Plays, wrote for Master of None, worked on Succession. So he's had a lot of television experience. But American Fiction is his first uh, screenplay, but also his first directorial debut. So he wrote and directed the movie. It is based on a novel from 2001 called Erasure by Percival uh, Everett. And it stars Jeffrey Wright. It stars Tracy Ellis Ross. It stars Eric Alexander. It stars Sterling K. Brown, Issa Rae, a bunch of other very talented folks, and is about a Black novelist who you know gets himself into a a situation you know where he is upset at the state of his career but also upset at the state of you know black fiction and decides to do you know basically like a satirical novel under a pseudonym that is in the vein of a lot of you know the hood novels and um, (laughs) that that kind of fiction except it turns out to be a, a massive runaway success and he kinda has to continue to, to live the lie. And there's, you know, family stuff and other things going on around that, but that's kind of the major conceit of it. So um Cam, just, just general feelings, reactions, thoughts uh after seeing the movie.
1: Um, yeah, if you couldn't tell earlier, this was a good choice. This I like this one. <laughs> uh I like this one. I don't know if I love it, love it. But I okay. do, I do like a lot of what it's doing. I think
0: mm-hmm.
1: when it's doing the murky stuff, it's probably the most clear-eyed version of the murky stuff I've seen on film in probably like five or ten years, honestly. Yeah, just confident uh, and like confident in the comedy, but also confident in, um the the dramatic points to the family drama points and the mm-hmm. and I think Cord has a secret weapon a not so secret weapon in you know his cast because good lord yeah. these people everyone everyone understood the assignment everyone yep. knew the part they were playing some people you know might not been in, might not have been in as many scenes as others but are like killing it where they're you know. Uh, where they're applied. Uh I would say that's um my guy Keith David, the legend. Yeah. And, and his big scene, which is yeah. The, that's the funniest scene in the movie. Yeah. Is the book. <laughs> is the, the scene from the book. And oh my god. This guy's name, he was in Hamilton Okierade. Yeah. Yeah. On a Adon- I am so sorry, my guy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh but that scene is hilarious. Um, yeah, and and everybody kind of understands their scenes. You know, there's no, there's not a lot of mm-hmm. ego going around here. Uh, no, where I feel like that can kind of not tank other movies. It doesn't really tank other movies, but you can tell when somebody's like, "Oh, this is my moment," and I'm taking yeah. it. I feel like everybody understands their part of the whole here, and it's a really, and it ends up being a really, really sweet movie afterwards I think that's what yeah. what caught me off guard was that it was unabashedly sweet natured and tender for a movie that's about like such a prickly subject yeah but yeah I think that's what that's how I felt yeah you
2: I yeah I, I agree with all of those things I think um, you know I'll start I'll start with the positives and then I'll get to you know the few issues that I had yeah um and i'll make both pretty quick i think you know positives like like we said the cast is is incredible and incredible um, you know listening and, and hearing core jefferson talk about it like jeffrey wright was his first choice and his his only choice you know he was like i think in the in the note that he sent with the script it was basically like i don't have a plan b you know like you're my you're my <laughs> guy um it says that he he when he was reading the novel, you know, he was, he was hearing Jeffrey Wright's voice in his head, um, as, as the monk character. And I think it, it shows in the screenplay, but also like, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where like, it's, it's a big duh, you know, when you see him, you're just like, duh, it would be Jeffrey Wright. But also like really only maybe like, um, I can't really think of anybody else who would be like a, I a good person I can't. to fill that role. Um, who,
1: there's the, there's a like it's it's like a weird tightrope act, right? That Jeffrey Wright's yeah. doing in this movie. There's the charm to make something as kind of devious as like making this kind of book. Like I speak again to the scene where he's writing the book, and you're like, yeah, oh my god. You know, even if even if Eddie Murphy was in this movie, he wouldn't make. He, I don't think he can make that no. work. No, and I don't think he made, like you. I don't even think he. Yeah, if Eddie Murphy's in this movie, half of it <laughs> it's too is it's more too big. Confusing. Yeah, yeah, it's too big. It's yeah. too big. Yeah, and it's not. And it, yeah, go go on. Go on. Sorry. I'll, I'll oh
2: yeah, well I could, I think Jeffrey Wright. What what's so great about his performance is that like you were saying, everybody in the ensemble kind of understands what they're supposed to do. And for him, it's more like, not necessarily to be understated, but, you know, he is he is at once us, right? Like mm. the black audience surrogate, like going through all of these absurd situations and we're just like, I know I've been there. People have said that to me, you know, that's how I reacted, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but also is his own character you know and, and interacting with people in ways that you're just like you know monk you're an idiot why are you doing that you know what i mean like you're you know you're pushing these people away you're doing all these other things that you know i i would even though that's the that's the beauty of of a movie or it's like i would never and it's like you might you probably might do that you, know? <laughs> you, might. you don't know unless you're in that situation um yeah. But you you definitely feel for him on a lot of different levels, you know, in certain ways you're you're empathizing with his situation, you know, even if you haven't had similar struggles with, you know, family and, and taking care of, you know, parents and loved ones. Um, but you're also kind of like hoping he makes, you know, you're rooting for him, but like at, at certain points you're just kind of like, yeah, you deserve that you know what I mean like that was a you, yeah. you did something dumb there like that's pro- that's what happens um sterling k brown incredible performance uh you know every time he was on screen he it, it it's the kind of performance that's like it could easily go into eating scenery you know what I mean like Why? if if it's somebody else who's kind of like takes it too far but he not only balances the drama in the comedy in a way that's like this is a real person um but specifically i think it's it's everybody right like everybody who has those scenes together right like his scenes with jeffrey wright are you know enthralling and uh jeffrey wright scenes with you know erica alexander are also enthralling and then like when Jeffrey Wright and Isarae, you know, finally have a face-to-face that's enthralling. Like, all of these different interactions are all, you know, work at at such a great level. And specifically, you know, for Cord first-time directing and you know, first big screenplay, I think really specifically on the directing aspect like, you can see you can see the influences but you can also see, like, his original voice peeking through and I think that you know mm. what he he talked about in terms of being scared to di- to direct you know just in general of like not necessarily like i don't i don't know all the technical jargon of like you know what lens to use and like all this other stuff like right. that's still stuff i'm learning about but just having that confidence to say well i but i know the story you know and like i'm i'm working with professionals and people who have you know such a firm grasp on what's going on that like we can just kind of roll the camera and like figure it out as we go along it doesn't necessarily have to be a science it can be it can be an art you know we can kind of make make art you know as as we kind of you know continue to move along so I think um you know we 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 both read an interview that he did with Mike Schur where they were talking about like you can do the you can do the big thing and the cool thing and the smart thing and like the thing that's going to like get you you know nods from like you know real film heads and and all that stuff or you can do the thing that like resonates with people and i think yeah. more often than not he made he made that choice where it was like i'm going to do the thing that resonates with you when you leave the theater instead of trying to be you know the smart heady movie that it it still is that it still has glimpses of that you know like the scene you were talking about where, you know, he's writing and you're kind of seeing the book come to life and all that stuff. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't do too much of that, you know, in a way that's just kinda of like, all right, this is overbearing or kinda of like we yeah. reached the no, breaking point of this device. It, it, it,
1: it's more like a like this is a realistic story. or I won't say realistic. Maybe yeah. Like the movie itself is more of a a movie steeped in realism rather than in what you, like when you read a premise like this, you kind of expect it to be a little kind of silly. Sure. In the scene I'm talking about for a scene like that to exist. And maybe, maybe four four, four or five more times. I kind of expected to see more scenes like that going through the movie and was surprised to find out that that was like the only moment that kind of soared out of reality. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie is more like, like a like the big chill or something like that, or yeah. like a moonstruck, where it's so, it's so it's like a good like cup of tea or soup and it warms your soul kind of thing. It never yeah. like takes you out of the moment; it leaves you in the moments. Actually, if anything, if anything, it like leaves you in tougher moments to give mm-hmm. you a chance to like make a choice about whatever the thing happening is whether it's a bad decision that monk made or it's a life happening you know Mm -hmm. which there are several in the movie as well yeah
2: um real quick i'll go through my my things that i was like all right (laughs) yeah Uh, either either i wish it was it was a little different or I can kind Let's of give the people what they you, came for you know, the scene well you know because I think <laughs> this is this is one of those situations where like it's I I would give it the movie overall like a like a B leaning b plus you know like I I enjoyed it I certainly would watch it again um I recommend people go see it but it's it's I guess like my my first issue is the same issue I had with the blackening of the same issue I had with Candyman, which Mm. is even more so like a, almost like a plus is like, I I wanted more. Like, I feel like there was more, you could have gone further than you did um, specifically with the, the idea and the premise. And this is one of those where I was like, you know, it, it kind of ties into my second issue, which, which felt like there was another movie in my movie. You know what I mean? It felt like I was Mm. watching two movies And that's, that's generally like a first time screenwriter issue is like, I have all these things that I want to get in here. And so I'm going to figure out a way to, to get them all in, in the movie. And, you know, he even talked about, you know, coming from a TV background and like, you know, the difference between having six episodes to tell a story with characters and having two hours to tell a story with characters and like still wanting to figure out a way to get some of the secondary and third characters, you know, some time to shine, which I think is, is fine. But also like I'm watching the movie and to me, it was surprising how many moments there were long stretches where like, we're not, we're not doing the thing, you know, we're not doing the thing on the, on the marquee, on the poster. That was like, this is why you came to see the movie. We're doing Mm. family drama and we're doing like, other things that are like cool and interesting but like you came to see this and like that's not happening to the Mm -hmm. point where sometimes i was like he wrote a book right (laughs) like we're gonna (laughs) wait what happened with the is the book happening uh and then you would kind of get back to it and i'd be like oh okay you know but like i feel um that there there was a couple things it's not even necessarily about cutting them out but more so like how can you more tightly incorporate all of these things into the central plot uh um, right and i think that's like that's like this needed one more pass you know to get to that next level where like where it is now is good but if there had been time to just give it one more look or like more more tightly coil everything around that central premise um it would just been like a tighter like we're there we got everything we're knocking it out
1: um yeah I agree with you, on a a lot of that, but I think it was I think it was fixable. I think is oh yeah where I, I get I get a little mad and I I'm not even mad I'm not mad I'm I'm not mad yeah. at this movie at all. <laughs> let's get down. I like it. I, if only if anything, I'm just nitpicking here because I think yeah. it's kind of like I think I over I think I graded it on a curve because uh, this is his directorial debut and mm-hmm. first big screenplay so it's like dang like you got this in front of you got it made which is yeah pretty much the the big reward you you, you got it made mm-hmm. but i think what i i think i i agree with you in that it could have been a tighter script but i think you can see that there are, like, attempts to bleed the two worlds. So, okay, yeah. so here's the, here's the thing, and I, I guess I'll just be straight up. I, the, the movie itself kind of exists. It balances back and forth between plots. So yeah. uh, the A-plot being uh, Monk, Jeffrey Wright's character, it, it is a little fed up of the state of, like, you know, uh, black books And his place in the writing sphere and, you know, he gets fired from his uh, professor job and such and such. And the plot about the book and the plot about, like, the white reaction to the book and so on and so forth. And then the other movie that we're flitting between, like, every other scene with is when Jeffrey Wright's character is called home because his mother is suffering with dementia yeah. And his sister is a little fed up of, like, having to take care of everything, and I guess this is the big spoiler, since this is the spoiler conversation we should talk about, yeah. it, is that yeah. in, like, the first tw- 15 minutes of the movie, uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright's sister's character, Lisa, played by Tracy Ellis Ross, uh, passes away, seems from a heart attack or something like that.
2: Now, can I stop you there? Because when that happened, I was watching this with like my whole family, and my sister's sitting next to me. Oh, and wow! She, she stops and she's like, she's
0: dead? <laughs> like she?" I. Like she, <laughs>
1: and this is why they cast her. This is why they cast yeah. her. It's 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 casting perfections, honestly, because tr- you're not going to hire Tracy Ellis Ross to do three scenes. That's yeah. you don't do it. You don't do it. So when it happens, like literally in the first twenty minutes of the movie. It's shocking. It is just as shocking to yeah. you as it is, as it is would be shocking to the family. which Let's is put like a pin in this because are thinking to me.
2: I want to come back to this because I have, I have okay thoughts about it, but I want you to continue okay. where you're where you're going. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. So there is that secondary plot where he is called home. You know, and basically his sister can't take care of his mother of their mother anymore uh his other brother played by Sterling K Brown is not really interested nor uh like is he's he in a things. place to yeah he's going through his own things yeah um so really the movie and, and nor do the two meet like ever in the middle <laughs> the plots honestly don't even talk about each other until monk is forced to take his mother to a meeting
0: yeah.
1: or take his mother to the editor's office because the meeting is down the block at a coffee shop. Um, yeah. Which has like a little bit of comedy involved in that. But that is honestly the only time the two storylines ever meet and or yeah. start to bleed in together. And it feels jarring when it happens, even though it's like a minor event, kind yeah. of in the string of the story. It's just that i and this t- this is only to, this is also to say that he did it very well It's the the tone is actually kind of excellent and like what Mike sure said in that uh conversation that we uh, t- watched was um tone is difficult tone yeah. is incredibly difficult. It's difficult to have an idea for a tone and it's definitely difficult to execute. Because you can shoot yeah. whatever kind of movie you want. This is all the same thing they said, but this is something as a filmmaker I know myself is that you can shoot whatever you want. When you start yeah. putting it together in the edit, you might get something completely different that you weren't looking mm-hmm. for, and you can try to like manipulate and change and do stuff. But you you shot your movie, and what you got to deal with is now how you make that. And I think right. th- it it feel even though it feels. Good, and it's a feel good movie in places. I feel mm-hmm. like these two plots literally, I feel like I'm flitting between them and I'm not getting the whole story, even though I feel like the author's, the author of the book, their intention was to separate the two stories so that yeah. you have one commenting, literally commenting on the other, because obviously Monk's life is kind of want a privilege. They have a beach house. Um yeah. they live on the coast of Massachusetts. They're doing well for black people. Um so he's writing about, you know, thug life as Pop put it. And right, right. they're not living thug life. So right. it's it seems like the author's point, yet as a watch, I feel like I'm watching like a sitcom and a drama that are just yeah. playing at the same time. Instead of watching a whole movie,
2: and I think that was kind of like, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to play script doctor and like, hey, right, Cord, right, right, this is how you should have done it. <laughs> um, but like, in, in talking with my family afterwards, I think it, it's difficult to tell because obviously, in listening to to Cord talk about it, you know, like he has done. Several adaptions of things. Station Eleven is an adaption. Watchmen is a is a kind of adaptation. It's not a direct adaptation. Kind of. It is, it is he would have been admitted. Right. Right. Um, but I think, in some ways, this may have been too literal of it. Like, like trying mm-hmm. to play too close because there's certain things that felt like it didn't make sense given other plot points. And like, I I feel like I don't I can't tell which are. This is from the book. And this is something that we made up because he's like two thirds of the movie are different than yeah. you know, the source material. Um, and having not read the book, I don't know which is which, but getting back to, to Tracy Ellis Ross, like, I feel like it's, it's such a weird thing. There's two very strange things that happen in this movie that I, I, I'm not quite sure where they come from because like when she okay. dies, that's, Fine ish, only <laughs> in the sense that like it it does really pull monk in. Like he's got he doesn't have an out, like now he's kind of like there's no one else. I gotta do this, right? Um, but at the same time, like they never talk about her again. Like, there's never wow. a conversation about like, man, Lisa would have loved to be at Lorraine's wedding, or man, like you know, <laughs> I wish Lisa was here to see you know this book release. Oh, okay. Like, I, I, do I wish I saying, wish yeah. I wish Lisa. You know, I'm in this terrible situation. Who do I normally talk to, Lisa? Oh, Lisa's dead, and now, you
1: know. So I'm you're saying if addressed. she feels a little bit more like plot device than? She, yeah, she character. dies, and
2: it's kind of like, that's it. Like even she, you know those.
1: She actually those literally kinda, dies after saying to Jeffrey Wright's character, like, "Well, you can't take care of." mom anyway yeah right you don't take care of mom's character who's gonna do it and then she literally clutches her chest
2: (laughs) and and it's like it it would be again another thing like in that conversation that um jeffrey wright and sterling are having at the very end where sterling's kind of like man you know i wish i could have came out to dad and, like, showed him the whole me and, like, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, again, that's another situation where you can kind of, like, invoke her or bring her in. The only other time she's mentioned is in a joke where uh, Jeffrey Wright, Monk, is, is saying, oh, like, to uh, Coraline like oh like yeah you you probably remind mom of my sister Lisa like you're pretty you're intelligent you're a good kisser you know like yada yada Um, but like besides that we don't really get anything else from her and so yeah our thought was like she doesn't have to die and I think it 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 pulls things tighter because if she's just if she if she just gets out of the hospital and she's like "I, I can't take care of mom you know what i mean like i i need yeah. you to be here to do this for me um it's still kind of guilting monk in but then also we were like it would have made more sense if they were like hey we we need money you know what i mean and like you do things that get money quick you write books like write yeah. this like look like if she had Issa Rae's book and she's like this is a best-selling book like, do this. Like, get us, like, like I don't care if this isn't the kind of book you like to write. Like, do this, and that's how we get the money to take care of mom. And it's like, he does it out of a sense of obligation, but, like, it, it in a similar way, like, it goes too far. And now he's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. But they're like, this is how we pay for mom's medical bills. Like, you gotta, you know, and, like, they could be kind of, like, suggesting things or adding things. Because something I want to touch on later is, like, there's when I when I say I wish there was more, you know, in terms of like the, the main plot, I also wish there was more in terms of monks I wanna I want to say reckoning with his blackness, but mm. it's clear that he is he is he is coming at his identity from a very specific place, and that comes out in his conversation with Issa Rae. And mm-hmm. you know, like him writing this book, like you were saying, is kind of like he's he doesn't know thug life, he's just writing Thug Life. Um, You know, he's pretending at it, but having, you know, those connections where like one of the things about black people, specifically upper middle class or even, you know, like rich black people is that you're still one degree from poverty a lot of the times. Right. Like your cousin, your, you know, like best friend from back in, you know, wherever you grew up in or like there's some relation in there that's like and they don't have you know what I mean? And you went oh, to yeah. their house at Christmas or they came to your birthday party or like whatever, you know what I mean? Right. And like, you, you have an acute awareness of that. And so like him no doubt. pulling, you know, these certain images out, coming to learn that maybe it's like, oh, like he based this character off of his cousin or like a childhood friend or, you know, something like right. that, where it's kind of like, we're getting more into his, <laughs> pathology I guess if you want to get his pathology get, with, with the movie but it's like getting a little bit more into that idea of it because I think it's very interesting when you look like at what that was family. his pathology right when you look at his family when you look at um you know Sterling K. Brown and you look at uh Tracy Ellis Ross like there is a little bit of not like they are a bougie family you know all of them except for jeffrey Wright are doctors you know of some sort or have followed they, like in in the medical you know yeah, oh yeah. and like they, their they father was like a mother. famous doctor <laughs> right and so and you know like i don't know where in massachusetts there's summer and it's not like you know the hamptons or anything like that but it is like where rich people are <laughs> where you have a beach yeah, house. I, guess I guess it would be uh, <laughs> the other side of the bay from the hamptons yeah. like literally yeah but but it's still like all right so there's there, you're you're living a certain kind of life and you know it's it's not to say that it's disconnected you from quote unquote blackness uh because i think that is part of the movie part of the movie's message yeah mm-hmm. but at the same time it's kind of like you are looking at all of these people because that's you, you know w- interesting to see maybe like sterling Carey brown is like yeah like we are we're all gonna play spades and he's like i don't know how to do that you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot that about you. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, and just, like, certain things that are kind of, like, poking at him where, because it's, it's interesting in that he makes a very pointed remark, you know, when he goes to the bookstore looking for his books, and the guy's like, oh, it's here in the African American Studies section. And he's like, well, the blackest thing about this book is the ink. Like, you know, I'm I i I'm intentionally not doing that. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, what... We never really get the intentionality behind that, in the sense of like, is that a choice he's making because that's just where his interests are going? Is that a choice he's making because he's trying to to not be like those other Negroes? Is he making that choice because (laughs) you know, like, like where did that, where is that coming from? Because clearly, there's a a like James Baldwin (laughs) trying to be like that. He's not trying to be like that. Okay, but there's a sense of well, because but even to speak to that, right? Because I think about that all the time, like James Baldwin. Two things, right? And I, you know, I don't know if anybody's there ever thought about it like this. James Baldwin, <laughs> James Baldwin is a nigga, right? He is from for sure. Harlem, for sure. in The nineteen forty, like that man grew up. Even you read, you know, uh "Go Tell on the Mountain." He's like, I was around sex workers and pimps and drug addicts, and they are all looking at me like, "When you're gonna come around here?" You know hear I me? Mean? We're waiting for we you. we gonna quit writing. <laughs> make this money. <laughs> and and it's like he he came from there right and so like you would never look at him you know later in life and think oh like James Baldwin grew up in the hood or you know Malcolm right. X grew up in the hood or like you would never question his,
1: are... you would never question his bona fides
2: you would never question his, you would never question his blackness you would never question anything like that but it's 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 <laughs> it's to say that like just because you come from a certain place doesn't mean that you fit into a certain stereotype or into a certain Mm. uh a role right or or Mm. a certain you know form of blackness you know that people would ascribe to that and that that when i say i wanted more that was one of the mores that i wanted was kind of like i was wondering like all right these are all very pointed things um that he's he's talking about but like where did that what's the genesis of that for him you know, and like, yeah. it, is that something that you could have brought into the movie again with him? Maybe you know, coming at this from a from a point of because I'll read I'll read this quote from a co- a conversation that Cord Jefferson and uh, Jeffrey Wright had. He's talking to to Esquire here. And he says, when Jeffrey and I first sat down together to discuss the script, one of the first things he said was, I just want to make sure you're not interested in respectability politics. He and I both weren't interested in the story about how black people need to pull up our pants and behave in front of white people, where you're shaming certain black people for living the way that they want to live. Him asking that made me even more confident that he was the right guy, because this was something I had already been thinking about. And I didn't want the story to feel like the finger wagging lecturing. I didn't want it to police blackness, police art or police black art. And he goes on to say, and this is skipping ahead to I guess we can kind of tie these two parts together, is there's one thing that uh, Centara, which is Israe's character, points out in that scene is, you know, a real growth uh, moment for me in my journey as a creative person. I used to be a guy who was like, why does this person get to make this art? This art is stupid. It's hacky. And it offends me. And not only that they're allowed to make it, but that they're getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to do it. Then one day I woke up and I realized something that forever changed the way that I look at art. People like Centaur are making art in a series of systems and institutions that have been around since before she was born. The work she's making is reflective of the parameters that have been put around her and artists like her, so asking why artists make specific kinds of art is actually asking a small question. The bigger and more important question is this, why are people who greenlight art so interested in paying for the same kinds of art over and over again? Mm. Why are they so interested in telling the same stories year after year, century after century? Making art is a hard job, and far be it for me to criticize how anyone makes a living, but why is Sentara forced to exist in the system which the art she's making is is the art that sells? right? Mm. and i think there's there's a lot of things to unpack there um but definitely just just um you know i'm wondering for you like that that conversation that they have uh between Mm. them and uh, again if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie yet i guess some context would be centara who is uh easter egg's character has written like a very stereotypical you could call it novel with a lot of eyes and wheezes and uh you know <laughs> like um just just that kind of like um you know vernacular and like
1: put an extra stake in vernacular yeah, a little bit. yeah
2: that like you know a lot of people tend to get upset about because it feels like you're i guess quote-unquote ghettoizing and like you know playing up stereotypes to to sell and um I, like the name of her book is like we's Weeze from the ghetto or like something like that and uh they they get selected to be on the same uh like author jury to nominate you know this like prestigious book award and so you know they get yeah, into Wheeze it and lives in the ghetto okay <laughs> they get into it because you know jeffrey wright monk isn't letting anybody know that he wrote you know the the staggerly book but he's still very much questioning you know centara's book it kind of like there's there's several scenes where he's just kind of like to other people like well like what's the difference between this book and that book like what's the difference between you know this this book that's selling a bunch of copies and this book that sold a bunch of copies and you know, he kind of gets into it with centara and she's just kind of like i mean you didn't even read my book one, but two, like, w- why are you so concerned about not even just the way that I make my, my money or art, but, like, you seem to be more upset at me than, like, all of the things surrounding why this book is is, is selling and is popular. Uh, right, the so system,
1: w- the system itself. <laughs> right.
2: What, what did you get from that scene? Because I think that's one of the scenes that a lot of people leave talking about and, like, breaking down.
1: Yeah, I kind of think that the, that's, like, the the climax i mean that would be like the big action set piece in an action movie a little bit um yeah it's 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 kind of like the big conversation as the movie's going on you're like okay well like you should probably go speak to centara and like <laughs> see what she's going through maybe she actually right. lived that life or maybe she is doing a satire on that but like right. the fact that centara pointed out that you didn't even read my book was enough honestly right. like the nail in the coffin because like You don't respect the art enough to engage. You're just mad at the system it exists in, right? That's like it's like the old head rap argument.
0: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: You got all these people out here listening to hip hop, and you know maybe older millennials like myself. Not saying me particularly, (laughs) but you know won't go out of their way to like listen to a little baby or a Offset record or you know like. blue face or whatever this is something <laughs> you, you know you know like let's right yeet or like the furthest yeah. extension of it you know what i'm saying like yeah people cats who grew up to tribe and wu-tang are not checking for yeet right and in this and but they're more mad at yeet for existing
2: mm. in
1: like hip-hop because you know old has curated hip-hop created hip-hop made sure it was a thing of quality. And then when it became out of the age range and became something that they couldn't contain anymore, you know, I, I bet that I honestly, I bet that something that the hip hop has to deal with right now that like hip hop yeah. is something that they can't contain anymore. Like right. the, there was the, sorry to even get off topic a little bit, but I feel that's, like the metaphor going. is apt. uh, but the, the comment that, uh, most deaf made on a podcast recently oh, talking yeah. about, uh, he was asked if drake is hip-hop if drake is pop is, is rap music is, right. if drake is rap music and most deaf, like you could tell my guy was like don't let me get this wrong because people may kill me yeah
2: <laughs> like but he was also body. like <laughs> should i should i say what i want to say or give the diplomatic yeah. answer and he was like Nah, I'm gonna say
1: it <laughs> I'm glad he said it I'm honestly glad he yeah. was like, you know what, fuck it Because this is the real conversation Is that, yes, Drake is pop He is the equivalent of Coca-Cola And a Ford Focus Like, your dude yeah. is gruel It is pop music <laughs> it, With a rap style And that's right. fine And that's fine for Drake And that's fine for Drake's listeners And for to get back to this movie and the book Like, you know Hood books exist it, yeah. People like to read them People like to read all kinds of books. Why are you mad that, you know, Centara, Centara Golden, is the character's name, uh, is able to succeed in this lane? Mm -hmm. She may be, you know, persisting stereotypes. She She may be persisting stereotypes, but she's also, like, again, we didn't get to read the book as audience members. right? We only got an excerpt. We, we don't know if it was, like, you know, researched or maybe this is satire. Or she says is.
2: it was researched. She was, she was yeah, like, she, that was her big thing. It was, like, I yeah. I'd spent months researching this book.
1: Right. So, maybe it's like, she probably hung out in Cherry Hill for, like, <laughs> Cherry Hill <laughs> uh, Baltimore <laughs> for, you know, three months and then wrote a book. You know, like, just there's all kinds of circumstances that Monk is not privy to. And the fact that mm-hmm. he went on this whole tirade, to even write the book. Yeah. Uh, to even uh change the title as you know the story progresses he changes the title yeah. uh from my pathology to just straight up the word fuck yeah to bring it to as- like to to bring it to the next level right to to reach those heights and it's and it got even more successful so the thing is right. like he's 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 kind of the old head he is the angry person he he's Look not interested in engaging he's just mad at how the industry has left him behind i guess maybe
2: and in that moment you know i mean because when they're discussing his book uh you know with with the rest of the the voting board like he and centaur are two people who are like this book sucks like this isn't good like this is bad and you get the sense that he's 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 slight like there's a there's a duality happening where he's glad that centaur agrees with him but also offended that she of all people would say that his book is trash when he was like i was imitating you like i was trying to i was making a commentary on you how can you tell me that my book is trash when i you know because he keeps he's he keeps trying to ask different versions of the well like isn't this just what you did you know and she's like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i
1: i really did love those scenes actually because that's the conversation right um th- that is literally the conversation you know you, you you and you can also hold those feelings like the duality of those feelings uh, human people can hold those feelings uh, at yeah. the same time and it was just interesting to see like him in the moment cuz we all knew it was coming it's the climax of the movie yeah. so we're like okay like when are you going to confront this and you're going to have to confront it in the most like direct yeah. way and it happens and he is literally elated but also deeply disappointed at the exact same time and it's like you you can't win and you won't win unless you embrace something about it
2: well and that's i mean this is another scene where it comes back to me thinking like i want i wanted more you know and Mm -hmm. i feel like part of part of it is like centaur almost gets there but it's something that we talk about a lot which is like black mediocrity right like that's that's actually the goal right a lot of people are looking for black excellence but it's like white people make horrible movies all All the time time. every year (laughs) we talk about them on this podcast but also like they just exist in the world and guess what they get to make another one and another one and another one people give them money The, the movies they make make money and I feel like you know, from Sitara it's just like, look, James Patterson writes the same novel every year Oof. for the last twenty years. Like, <laughs> I can't do that too. Like, why? Why can't I also make trash? What if I like? Why trash? can't I? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, you're 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 putting this on me, like I because I'm black and I'm a woman, I have to write fucking War and Peace. What if I don't want to do that? What if I just want to write a bad book? You know what I mean? Like, there's there's. <laughs> Comics I are am... crazy and weird, but there's a there is a there's a famous quote from a Spider-Man X-Men comic, where Spider-Man is confronting this villain who is like a dinosaur scientist, and Spider-Man's like, "You're a genius! Like, look at all these things you can do! Like, you could cure cancer! Like, why are you wasting your time with this?" And the and the villain's like, "I don't want to cure cancer! I want to turn people into dinosaurs!" And it's like quote, that's unquote, the quote he says that. <laughs> yeah that's hilarious. <laughs> but that's the it, that's the same thing here it's like yeah but i don't want to write books like you i want to write these hood romance novels that's what i want to do like why is that wrong right why am i pun- like penalized for that because certain people might look down upon it but i mean that could because that could have been her her character arc is like look me and my mom wrote like read these books when I was a kid growing up, and that's what connected us together. You know what I mean? Right. We read these books and we talk about them. I want to write these books for people who read these kinds of like. If I'm not writing them, somebody else is writing them. Maybe not even a black person is writing them because we see how you know certain people move with the pseudonyms and like are able to kind of you know <laughs> make that work. So it's just like you know you're mad at me for doing something that I like to do and I'm getting paid for it. And you're mad because nobody wants to read your book. Like, that sounds like hating to me. Like, that's not <laughs> my problem. <laughs> I just, you know what? Actually, I think,
1: even having this conversation with you right now, I'm realizing what I think I dig most about this movie is that the series of events play out kind of like, I won't say like stages of grief, but play out yeah. in order of like, the conversation literally the ebb and flow of the conversation about white mediocrity or like black respectability politics right yeah uh i'll say like you know the beginning uh you know he sees the problem he identifies the problem and then mm-hmm. in the right there kind of after that he's confronted with oh crap like these politics i had about you know uh the literary world are you know i guess they're kind of passe maybe kind of false i might be full of shit and but he's not willing to change his stance until something cracks you know beneath to the floor cracks beneath him yeah and i and i think that that's like how we have that conversation you know we're mad instantly we're mad at first And we kind of don't want to like bend until Mm -hmm. something makes us break.
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting in, in two ways. One, you know, that conversation that he has with his agent at about the midpoint of the movie where he pulls out all the Johnny Walker and he's like, yeah, look, you know, like people, people get around, you know what I mean? Like this, this, you know, cheap Johnny Walker is what people drink because it's, People just want to get fucked up. Like they don't really want to think too much about anything. They don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a bottle of liquor. They want to get the eight dollar bottle and go have a good time with their friends. But you know, when they have a, a, a fancy occasion or, you know, like something to celebrate, they might spring for the hundred dollar bottle. And like, you know, but who gets the money? It's Johnny Walker. You know, it's the same thing. Right. So like, you know, what's wrong with you maybe dabbling over here and doing something more commercial and popular and benefiting from that and still being able to come back over here and do your your books and your art. And, you know, Monk is so attached to the idea of not simply being an, an artist, but, like, art, certain art having more value than other art, right? Like, that's kind of his his big deal, and so he's like, but that would be lowering myself to do something that's, that's lesser than me or a waste of my talents. Yet, right, ironically, one, he... It. To be. Right, right. But ironically, he one does it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, and it turns out to be the most successful thing he's ever done. But also, like just thinking about conversations that we've we've had on this podcast many a time, which is that you know, nobody's necessarily mad at Tyler Perry we more mad that Tyler Perry was the choice for so many years. Right. Like if Tyler yeah. Perry existed in the same sentence as Ryan Coogler and Ava DuVernay and Barry Jenkins and uh, you know, like all these other people, it's like, well, that's not You, you what, what's your choice. What do you want to watch? You know what I mean? All of these things exist right. and you can pick the one Don't that, that one. best. Yeah. yeah. Benefits you. Cause look, I've seen Tyler Perry movies in theaters, not necessarily my choice, but people people were there. It wasn't empty. It was a, almost a full theater each time. like people want to watch those movies. and so is it what do you gain from from speaking down to people who enjoy this? you know what I mean it's not hurting anyone like certainly all, all skin folk kinfolk is everything good you know in terms of a larger picture? Right. No, like there's certain yeah. things that you we might have to put our foot down on, but in the general <laughs> sense, like if it's just you know like goofy buffoonery because that's the thing right when people think about black exploitation, right it's it's mm. called black exploitation for a reason but it wasn't any different from the actual exploitation movies that were happening in the 60s and the 70s that white people were making black people right. were upset about it because they were like oh we just get movies with pimps and you know drug dealers and like x y and z like that's all we get to see ourselves as but like the filmmakers who were making those films weren't making films any different from the white filmmakers making the drive-in like schlock movie like it was the same thing but they were getting heat for it because people were like well, we don't want to see this because we want to see ourselves as you know exactly. idealized versions yeah, of ourselves exactly. but it's like but why is that why why do white people get to see you know depraved you know ridiculous versions of themselves and get to go home at night and be like not me, like <laughs> crazy movie could never be me, you know. But it's just like no, oh, like, <laughs> could never be me, you know. But but I but all of us are dolomite, you know. Every time Rudy Ray Moore is on screen, and it's like, why can't it just mm. be a stupid movie that Rudy Ray Moore wanted to make? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's right. certainly you know levels to it where yes, you know, if you're if you're soft shoeing and Coonan and all that's like we can see it, we know it, um, and that's know, di- and like, that's
1: different. And
2: that's different. Right. right. Well, and that's because that's we'll see. I, I am trying with all of my heart to give all of the benefit of the doubt to the American Association of Magical Negroes, because I, I do not want to believe in a world where that movie exists as it appears it does i'd like to yeah. think there is a twist or there is something more or yeah we're gonna get a different because of that i am what hoping it is, that then... third
1: act is like about some crazy yeah. <laughs> shit i'm hoping fucking dr umar is behind <laughs> is dumbledore that bitch and he was like psych you didn't need none of that you didn't need white people at all yeah but it's
2: like uh what's that steven seagal movie we watched where he just gives like an environmental speech for like <laughs> a 10 five minute, a minute monologue directly to doc- camera dr umar talking about white devils for 10 minutes so you just got to sit down and watch that's what i need.
1: <laughs> that's that's what i need in that movie to redeem the fucking trailer because that trailer i swear to god like I'm turning more into Malcolm X every day. Every time I see that trailer, like the, the rifle appeared in my hand one morning, like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like I was just like, right. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but, again, but okay. They, so they, actually that, that leads to a good question. A right. question I have for you, which is this is black art for everybody, right?
2: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I perceive this to be black art for everybody, but do you think it is black art for the black gaze?
2: So here's, here's something that Core Jefferson said that I, that I think gave me a, a key look into maybe why there are certain structural problems with the movie. And I mean, he was basically saying that, that this is a movie I made for everyone. Like I wanted everyone to be able to come and see this movie and that's, that's a nice ideal, but rarely ever practical right like even from a, well, it's a, it's a monetary
1: a, ideal it's a business ideal right? for um <laughs> the people at amazon mgm and orion pictures yeah. you know what i mean
2: right but it's like even even in the actual creation of something like you, you literally cannot make something for everybody there is no such thing as something for everyone and any attempt to make something for everyone often ends up a mess because mm. you're you're trying to serve so many different you know ideals and uh, oftentimes, it's it's better to just write, if not directly for yourself, say, well, this is a movie that I want my mom to like, or this is a movie that you know, like my partner would enjoy, or this is a movie that you know, what I mean, like find that audience um mm-hmm. to create for, because when you're trying to to think of everyone, you know, watching it and enjoying it, I think you might get tripped up a bit. And it's interesting because we. I've been doing this podcast for going on three years now. And Mm. oftentimes we discuss, well, this is a movie for white people. This movie was made for white people. This movie is, (laughs) is (laughs) and even, even in this movie, American fiction, you know, his agent says, well, white people, they just want, they just want you to absolve their guilt. Like that's what they really want, you know, more than Mm. anything else. And um, I think it's, it's interesting, right? Because this feels like another movie that will go on the white liberal check sheet of like, I've seen American fiction. You know what I mean? And like, and I'm going to talk <laughs> to my black friends about having watched American fiction. And yeah, like, your girlfriend's you know,
1: father will talk about having seen American fiction at dinner.
2: Literally, literally, I, I told you, I tweeted this. Literally, movie ends. I'm like, behind me are two black men who have, who have been talking at the movie. Uh, which I did appreciate, you know, there was a lot of, Mm-mm, or like, Dan-, like, oh, come on, Monk, you know what I mean, like a lot of that, and you did they're getting up to leave, though. yes, yes, I, <laughs> everybody's getting up to leave, there's a white woman sitting in proximity to them, I have no idea if they know her, I don't know if, if this is somebody that they came to see the movie with, or what's going on, but she starts having a conversation with one of them, and you know i love the movie oh it's so good yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean oh man like tracy ellis ross like i can't believe she died yeah but it was and then the woman <laughs> who uh, you know but it was almost like a girlfriend's reunion uh and they're like oh like what do you mean it's like you know like it's tracy ellis ross and then like you know like the other woman from girlfriends and they're like who else was in the movie like uh you know like uh Coraline, and they're like oh you mean erica alexander and she's like yeah it's like oh you're thinking of living single <laughs> That's two different. (laughs) That's two different things. Damn, that's two different. Wow. Mm. But but I think that's the thing. Like what Core Jefferson has said in interviews and suggested is that you know he wants people to talk about it. He wants people to have conversations about it. He wants to use it as a way to kind of get into some of these conversations that may because this is what art does. This is what good art does, right? Where like you know, if I just said, "Hey, Cameron." I, straight straight up barbie right you ever think about death it's like well no like that's not a, that's not a thing that we're just gonna talk about you know what i mean just like as a conversation starter but if we watch a movie if we watch you know a movie where death is the central conceit and we're kind of having this conversation surrounding it leading into it talking about oh yeah you know i lost somebody close to me in, in that way or you know like it kind of opens up those doors for people to have those conversations however you know what i mean i feel like i do not want to be cynical but we all lived through 2020 we all had conversations with white friends well-meaning white friends who who you know had a lot of kind things to say or maybe you know seemed like they had read a thing or two and maybe had learned a thing or two and it's not that the world should have changed overnight, you know, in that way. But again, we've said it we also said on this podcast, if all we had to do was make a movie, nigga, we would have been making <laughs> movies a hundred like, Yeah, we would have made like the seven samurai <laughs> of that shit. Like we, we we why why if that's all it took, we would not be here right now. You know what I mean? Like we that movie would have we made good at that shit. <laughs> you know, so so do i do i think that this movie um is (laughs) is it is it through the black gaze is it necessarily made for black people i think that i don't even want to say yes or no you know because i i definitely i definitely think you know this was a this was a movie made by a black man who has lived Mm -hmm. this and you know like he talks about it when he's talking about the movie, like so many different things that when he was reading the book were like, This is my life, this is my life, this is my life. And so, you know, he felt very connected to the source material and it comes across on the screen. Talk like there's a I'll send you this clip and I'll post it on the Twitter. There's a great round table conversation with Erica Alexander, Sterling K. Brown, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Jeffrey Wright, where they're all talking together and talking about experiences they've had on set just in general that like have mirrored these. And they were just like, that's why when we got on set, it wasn't even like, Hey, Court how do you want me to play this? I knew how to play it. I was just like, how far do you want to go with it? Was more the question than what should I be doing? Cause I, I know this, you know, this is, this rel- is innate relaxing. to me. Right. You know I mean? And so, you know, with that, I feel like there is a lot as, as a black person, like you, it's just, Yes. We, it's it's for us. We get that. But there are certain things where I feel like it it wasn't necessarily like speaking to white people, you know, but like in the same way that Atlanta season three was like, oh, this is for white people now. You know what I mean? You're yeah. looking around like, wait, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, this used to be for niggas, and now... <laughs> what y'all doing? What y'all no, no, this is different now. And now we're just talking to white people, like, straight up. And there's never a moment where, like, You know Jeffrey Wright looks to. I mean, literally, there's a moment at the end of the movie where Jeffrey Wright is like, "I'm not going to make the speech that tells you how to feel about the what you just saw." Like, I'm I'm not here to give you a moral dilemma. And even um, let me see if I can find this quote. Yeah, I mean, he says that there there was a, a a Latin phrase at the end of the book that basically translates to "I offer no hypothesis," right? Which basically saying like you know this is this is it you know and, and what do you think about it um which i think has has value and i think there is there is certainly more of a black lens than a white lens in this movie but i also feel like i guess let's let's use this to springboard into i'll throw a question back at you because i feel like the, the elephant in the room the two elephants in the room Maybe three elephants. I don't know how many elephants can fit in a room, but the, <laughs> the the elephants is surrounding this movie. That I was a little surprised that nobody in an interview straight up asked him this question, because it was something that I was thinking the second I saw the trailer. Bamboozled, forty year old version, Hollywood shuffle, even something like uh, Live in Large, like it's all the same movie. Right. Mm. This Mm. is all this is the same thing, slightly different variations, different industries, but all the same idea of do I am I is is it worth it to sell out and sell out my people in order to reach a certain level of success? Or is it more does it mean more to remain authentic to me and my blackness in the end and forego any financial or like successful windfalls that mm-hmm. might come from you know doing the alternative right and in, in that i feel like this to me is th- maybe third or fourth build if you were doing a film festival because like thinking, yeah. bamboozled is like spike one. was like i got shit to say so sit down because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me talk to you because i mean the, the thing the thing about bamboozled in and, and this movie, is that bamboozled? Like, there's b- barely character development, you know what I mean? Like, Damon Waynes comes in yeah. almost a caricature in and of himself, but all of it is in service of the story that Spike the Lee is trying to tell. Message. right? So, he's like, You don't even have to be a part, I don't need to know your mother's name, I don't give a shit, you know what I mean? Even like, though we he, end like, up
1: meeting his parents in it, that movie because right. <laughs> because it's to turn the tide on the the right. caricature that he's doing, yeah.
2: Right. Um but it it's a very pointed satire and I think that's kind of again, when I am speaking to more you know, court Jefferson has 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 said that, you know, he I, I wanted to, I didn't want this to be farcical. You know, I wanted it to be satirical. But I didn't want to go too far. But even when you think about something like network, right, like the reason why network yeah. works and is enduring is because all of it starts in a very real believable place. All of it starts, you know, yes. on a on a grounded way and then escalates beyond so far beyond anything that you could believe that you believe it. You know, like it just becomes real even... because it's so yeah. it's it's surreal.
1: <laughs> I would I would even say aside. From the Damon Wayans performance and the conceit itself, bamboozled is to be taken at like you know face value until its own third act when it becomes yeah. like fucking off the rails. Right? Not even not in the same sense as network. Network is like more like visually like we're in yeah. black voids now and it's
0: like <laughs> you
1: know it's fucking uh, Bergman movie now for some yeah. reason. But like yes. Uh, it's funny that you bring up uh, Bamboozled because as soon as I got home from watching American Fiction, I actually uh, fired up a Friend of the Pod, Feet the Signifier's hmm. uh, video essay on Bamboozled and the idea of cooning in the modern age. Yeah. Which I didn't even I didn't even think about the ties between bamboozle and American fiction, but they are of the same. They're cut with the same cloth. They yeah. They're they're honestly acknowledging the same thing. Just like one is spikely and one is a guy who is a little bit more well interested <laughs> maybe than spikely. <laughs> because yeah, because bamboozle ends with like a guy had to fucking get murdered.
2: <laughs> yeah. And American fiction kind of, you know, it's satirical in the ending. But like, yes, and even but even American fiction is
1: like that ending is wild as fuck. I don't need to do that. Right. Because even if I do that, you leave the theater. And do you feel any different? Did I did I serve my purpose any harder by having my main character get like, you know, lit up
2: or whatever? Yeah. (laughs) Because I mean, the thing about though, Spike Lee was like, I'm using I'm cashing it in. All the cachet, yeah. everything. I'm I'm putting all the chips here, and I'm gonna rub your face in this for how it's I'm actually
1: wild that he this. got to work after that movie. <laughs> well, I'm that dead at, serious.
2: at the At the time, people hated that movie. They were like, "This is so offensive. I can't believe it's Spike offensive." Lee would do something like this, you know, like even was, stylistically,
1: he shot on like DV. It was like one of like the ten movies that year that yeah. got shot on like <laughs> DV tape, so it yeah. looks like trash it looks terrible i mean they did do a criteria on like 4k of it last year or something like that so i don't know what it looks like now Mm -hmm. but even back then in like oh two when this came out it was like almost unwatchable like you couldn't even look at it and then it was harsh in it like what it was portraying yeah the visuals i remember that final shot of like Savion glover just like sweating through the makeup smiling that hard smile at the camera i was like yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's cr- like cringe. The kids would say it's cringe as fuck, but it is yeah. like, it's how he wants to send that message. And yeah, I, you know, Cord just wanted to, you know, tug at your <laughs> heartstrings a little more than my other, my right. guy over here. Well,
2: that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, Bamboozled is brilliant satire. Yeah. But it is like, we're, we're we start at eleven and then oh, we just oh. keep going. You know what I mean? Like we never come yeah. down. Like yeah. the second the show starts, it's like strap in like we're going to watch them put the black face on. Literally yeah, watch them polish. put the black face on. You know what I mean? It's we're not we're not even like we're not even going with with stage makeup. It's like get the shoe polish out. Shoe polish. Put it on your face. <laughs> Yo, know that shit with um tap Tommy
1: Davis getting into the character is like Yeah bamboozled low-key is like top 10 spike but it's mm-hmm. like it's such a hard movie it is yeah it's a comedy that is i'd feel fucked up if i laughed at any of the direct jokes like i'd I'd be yeah. fucked up to laugh at any of the direct right. jokes
2: but even you know like um ooh, what's my man's name who plays the the executive
1: oh michael rapaport <laughs>
2: Michael Rapaport, perfect. Everybody's cast.
1: Spice, favorite spicy white,
2: <laughs> perfectly cast. And like, I I don't know if Michael Rapaport was in on the joke, but Spike Lee I think wrote that almost to fuck with him. Yeah, right? <laughs> and the, like, his
1: basically I think it's his last line in the movie where he's like, yeah. "I could get another nigga off the street to do yeah, your job was, or whatever."
2: Yeah, he was just like, "I I don't know if this man knows how we look at him, but I'm gonna write him that way." It's it's crazy if Michael
1: Rappaport does not understand, then he just don't understand. Because like, right. bro, we look at your character in that movie, and his character's name might as well be Michael Rappaport.
2: Right? You're like you're just you're playing yourself, literally. You're playing um,
1: yourself, and you're playing uh,
2: yourself. But I would also contrast this with forty year old version, where I think Rada right Blank Wonderful did. Again, I I don't want to compare them directly, in, like you know pit them against each other but i yeah. think what she did there is is the the modern update you know which is mm. like again if we're th- if you're thinking about hollywood shuffle to live and large to Bamboozle to you know this and there's been other movies in the past you know like there were movies before hollywood shuffle that were addressing the same thing um i mean
1: but yeah. i mean we could trace it all the way back to fucking soleil yeah, by Med Hondo. Yeah. That dude was even trying to talk about the di- he was trying to talk about the diaspora in that sense yeah. in that movie. He was making jokes about the fucking middle passage. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> but but I think what, what is what is I mean, four year old version is is a beautiful movie, literally like black yeah. and white shot beautifully. But I think what really gets why why I enjoy it so much, and what I think American fiction could have taken from that was that she never really strays far from the thesis right like we're always directly engaged with this play that she's making and like her her attempts to get that recognition and that validation that she's looking for as a black woman in the world of theater and you know having to confront all of these white people basically saying yeah but you know like can you do it like this? Can we make it like this? Like yeah. what, what where's where's the black in the you know like we're looking for a bit more and then you know we we get the final play and uh you know everything that that happens there and it's you know cuz kind of cathartic moment and mm-hmm. with with each of these movies it's interesting because American fiction I I, I do want to get to the ending uh here yes. in just a I- second <laughs> but like what what American fiction doesn't do, like all of these other movies, basically, the the quote unquote moral of Hollywood Shuffle is that, you know, like you can still have a successful career without selling out. Like Robert Townsend ends up working at the post office, like everybody told him to, doing you know the the acting television you know commercials for that, and using that. Like it's not implied that that's all he ever does you know but it's it's implied that he's working it's a start you know it's a way for him to to keep his dignity and still you know practice the art that he wants right um living large again is is not a good movie (laughs) but it is a movie that (laughs) you know bringing it it up (laughs) yeah well because i you know it was it was it was on a lot i don't know if it was on hbo or something but i remember it was on hbo yeah i've seen it um. Well, and even we could throw in CB four as... is is. is I would say CB four is probably literal. a little bit more apt, Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not quite the same, but it is similar messaging of like, you know, at the end of CB four, they're like, yeah, we're like, that wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it to go through all that, you right. know, just just to make a check, just to be on, um, you know, forty year old version. Well, bamboozled is like, and, and then you die. <laughs> bamboozled is like, we kill you. The FBI, the police found you.
1: Actually, bamboozled just was like, hey, man, don't even try, dog, because yeah. the cops are always there.
2: But bamboozled was was very much more of a searing commentary on on literally the studio system, and like, oh, yeah. it was it was it was less of us like, hey, black people, like, why are you doing this to yourself, and more like, look at what they do to us. Like, let me show I, I, you what what they do to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, the <laughs> only
1: people who are left alive at the end of Bamboozled are the people who decided to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Davidson uh, and Jada Pinkett, they're like, all right, right. I'm, yeah, I'm good here. Uh, Meanwhile, Damon Wayne's got a bullet in his gut and <laughs> Savion Glover danced for his life and still didn't get that at the end. <laughs>
2: But before the old version is again similar thing where Rada Blank makes the decision. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah, if it means that, you know what I mean. Like, I can still make my art and do my plays, and maybe I got to take a longer road or you know, kind of get there a different way. But like,
1: but being me be is like, going to be the better choice at the end of the day. Being me
2: is going to be the better choice, and like, you know, it, I I don't like the way that I feel. You know, when I have to be in these spaces with these white people who are telling me these things, asking me these questions, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I want to make I want to make art for my people, you know, about my people. And like, I don't necessarily feel like I have to shrink into the white gaze to do that. Right. Like, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to infringe myself, I guess, and talk about I've got a book that's coming out later this year, a comic series that is about a black artist and there's a scene where he and his wife are are showing an art critic like his latest piece, and the art critic is like, "Oh, like have you ever thought about playing something other than you know black people or like black scenes?" And the artist is like, "No." The ends, you know, and like, <laughs> yeah, you know the the art the art critic is like, "Oh, you know, yeah, that's a shame." But yeah, anyways, moving on to the next question, and the artist's wife is like, "Why is that a shame? Like, why? What is?" what is lost here like what if my husband painted a a picture of malcolm forbes instead of malcolm x like what does the world gain from that you know what i mean um and you know it really is how like it's not blackness that is limited it's the white gaze that's limited right like the white gaze Mm. is is the small part and blackness is like so many things right so many things that
1: people still don't have any you know still aren't privy to.
2: And so, that's where we get to the end of American Fiction, where I want to ask, like, your perspective of, like, you know, Monk goes through all of these things. And he kind of, he kind of wins. He kind of wins. He loses a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, you know, in... Because in, I, I wouldn't even say he lost with, his credibility. No, yeah. Well, it, I mean, I think that's, that's the part where I'd like to know the difference between the book and the movie. Because... Oh, mm. it, it it kind of ends in a way where it's just like i mean i guess it worked out for him right like you know he he got to instead of making the movie about the book that he wrote he gets to make the movie about his life writing the book and uh you know like it doesn't seem like he lost anything in terms of like status or you know black people weren't like you know you motherfucker i can't believe you you know whatever it's just kind of like eh, i guess you're good like guy playing a slave say, like <laughs> give him the head yeah, nod and
1: i kind of like that last <laughs> image i think that last image is probably like one of the funniest buttons of the year because mm-hmm. it's like the perfect like hollywood it was perfectly like the hollywood ending quote unquote he yeah. he at the end of it all when he find when we find out that um he got to write, you know, he got to make the movie of this situation instead of this situation just happened to him happening to him. Uh, yeah. and then his brother drives him away in the car and he gets like, you know, he looks up at the the black extra playing the slave with the airpods in and, you know then they share a moment, but then he like yeah. the slave dude is like, Oh, what's up, peace? Throws him the two fingers yeah. and then drive off into the literal sunset. Like yeah. Sunset Boulevard, if anything. But all right. You know, and, and I kind of, it's like a perfect button ending, right? Yeah. And like I just said, one of the funniest buttons of the year, too. Um, but that in itself is like, you know, obviously way too easy. And an ending that <laughs> Spike Lee would probably fucking spit at. <laughs> because <laughs> they do the whole thing, they give you the bad ending, you know? Yeah. Again, no spoilers, spoilers. Uh, or, sorry, we're spoiling
2: it. Full spoilers, yeah.
1: Full spoilers. We get the first ending where the FBI runs in there and shoots shoots. Like, I was expecting that. Well, that's, I almost that's the, expected That's that that his capper ending.
2: Hmm? Well, that's, that's – because that's, uh, the white executive is like, well, okay, you know, like, we we see it's it's this big culmination. He's at the award ceremony for the book that he wrote that nobody knows yes. that he wrote, and he won right. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, well, Stagger Lee's like a wanted criminal. So there's no way that he would come here and accept this award. And he starts walking to and I, I give credit to the guy playing the uh, the the jury judge. The guy he's on like, the podium. And, and, and Monk is up and he's walking towards. This, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> he did do that pretty well. I don't um, know why.
1: Uh, literally until he's like taking the award out of his hand. He's like, oh, oh, OK. Damn. <laughs> Uh, which but I do, and i I love that ending too i do love that ending. yeah uh, of, and then him reckoning with it
2: yeah but so like the, there's there's he's about to say something we cut to black he's on the set now and you know he's like well well w- tell me what happened it was like well, i don't know like you know i kind of said what i had to say and that was it and i was that like was oh it. okay well like what well you know that nobody's gonna want to watch that like what else could happen? And then we get the ending where he, he says, goes, Well, <laughs> yeah, he goes to see Coraline, like he, he runs the dramatic, like Hollywood romance ending where he runs out of the the award ceremony and goes to see Coraline and, and goes straight to her. Maybe make up, maybe don't, but like it's the start of it's the new beginning. Uh, and the executive was like, eh, I don't know about that, like let's try it again. And he was like, Fuck it, you know, and then like it's the ending where the FBI comes in and like murders him. And the and the executive is like, "That's brilliant! Like that's, that's it. Let's brilliant. do that." I'm gonna fucking yeah.
1: cry. We gotta shoot this tomorrow,
2: <laughs> right? And it's kind of like it's 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 certainly a having your cake and eating it too, and I and I definitely do applaud the not having Monk do the speech that says, "And here's." And racism's bad.
1: And racism's
2: racism's bad. And and everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think they've said,
1: I think they alluded to it several times in the movie. Not necessarily straight up saying like, this isn't for white people. I didn't do it for white people. It's, you know. But the ethos is not entirely there, but it's definitely displayed. Like the ethos happens in a couple scenes where the ethos is, it's not my job to tell you. It's not, my job to educate yeah. you at all, even though this is my situation that I created for myself, it's still not my job to yeah. explain to you why all of it's wrong. You know, yeah. And I, yeah, that's where my kudos goes to the movie is like, yeah, you had you have the opportunity to have your cake and eat it too. You get the FBI ending that we all yeah. that all the black people at least expected, <laughs> and right. then you get the ending uh, where he's like, hey man, I said what I said. I just, I just wanted to speak on it, you know, and yeah. take it as what it is. And, and not necessarily, like, I admonish myself or, like, you know, it's either one way or the other. I just spoke my piece, you know. I was mad about something. This was my reaction. This is also how you reacted. And, you know, we all go our separate ways at the end. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the movie for having the balls to tell white people that without telling
2: them yeah well i think you know what's what's interesting is um like when you think about all the different ways that this movie could have ended you know because you're kind of watching it and you're like well he's it's like he's not going to get away with this you know he's going to get found out in some way shape or form he's going to have to come clean um you know it's certainly not like oh you know and he should be he should be run out of hollywood or he should be like um, you know, kind of put in in timeout you know, writer's timeout for like, you know, lying about who he was but I I do I do wonder, you know, in a way like again, if if there's a way to to bring him back around to not simply just his blackness, but like I I would have been I would have been interested in the ending that kind of has him embrace, more of of like what could be because like you know if it ever if it had been a situation where like Lorraine is like I don't want to say it but this is the only book you wrote that I read and I liked it because because it it's because these are the kind of books that I read you know I don't read the other you know the the, the more academic books that you write like I like this kind of romancey or like you know hood fiction um <laughs> And him being kind of like, you know, not necessarily like, hey, you know, money's here, but maybe being like, oh, you know, that I went, I went through this whole thing. But like, if I had just written this book and put my name on it, would it, would it have been that bad? Because this isn't that bad. Like, they may have just made my book, you know, into a movie. And like him... Because so I think the one the one thing that we never really get that I would have been interested in seeing is like not necessarily what do black people think about this, you know, in like a writ large kind of way. Right. But like he really only the only black people he really only talks to are the people in his immediate circle and vicinity. Um, and then uh Centara. But like it would have been it would have been interesting if like you know he he was either on like a a round table of other black authors or like went on a like this the next scene was like his book tour you know like he's he's touring the book and like doing a reading because i would have liked to hear have heard more from the book but yeah i
1: was kind of hoping for that during the talk show scene i thought the talk show scene should have gone a little harder honestly Right. Um, well, because that's the place the, the, where you could have did that, right? Like you have this Right. Obviously Wendy Williams markup. <laughs> right? We're obviously right. going in that direction. Yeah. You got an audience full of black women. Let's do that. Let's let's have that conversation with black women, too. Like that like with, let's do that. With black women?
2: That. But you but you know how we do right where it would have been it's it was the oj situation where it's just like look i know that nigga's guilty but like y'all get away with this all the time so like
1: i mean but that's the thing and that's what's so surprising and that's what's so surprising and that's where i would have maybe even like i bet honestly if like the talk show scene would have been a little bit more gonzo where we see like a farther spectrum of black uh response to his books and his writings maybe particularly i think this movie could have been like an a i mean i think that's the scene that it needs honestly is like other black people not necessarily um black literati i'm talking about just straight up harlem 125th street people who want to go see the Wendy Williams show, you know, talk to those right. people. What do those people think about your book? Cause it's, it's hood politics. So they, they definitely getting a chance to read it. Like, yeah. And probably are reading it. So this is the yeah. space where we should have that whole conversation. I think that scene just like, that scene ends up being like a, like a footnote in the whole movie. It's almost forgettable for real, for real. But well, it's, it, it's, I think it's, it could have been the space for that.
2: It's interesting because in the conversation Corey Jefferson has with, Ryan Kugler, you know, like he's talking to him and he's like, Oh, you know, I mean, it's interesting because I, you know, I didn't really realize that you, you know, came from like a football, like jock background. And like, you know, how did, how did, you know, people around you take it where you were going from like this hyper masculine, like sports arena to like doing art and being an artist? And Ryan Kugler was like, I don't know, like in the Bay, like niggas do two things. You know what I mean? Like they just. they are two people you know like he was like my big homie was was a was a football player and you know like a big you know athlete in the neighborhood but he would also be like yo listen to this poem i wrote and yeah. also like i dare you to laugh well that is mean, the like, bang. that is the i'm bag. serious about it you know what i mean and it's like yeah like i i would have loved to have seen him kind of kind of come face to face with like people like he's he's writing about these people as almost caricatures but then he meets these people and they're like not even just three-dimensional people but it's like yeah you know like well i read your book and you know like i i i picked it up after I, you know i put down like not necessarily like dickens or something like that but like right you know they they name drop a author that he's like wait what like you <laughs> like yeah. you read this book and you read like you know the new tana hesi coats you know they's like oh so you can do both, and they're like, "Yeah, like why wouldn't I? I like books." <laughs>
1: yeah, I feel like yeah, that's interesting uh, that Cord had that reaction because I feel like that's been like heavily documented in Ryan Coogler's story, like that he was sure. like, a football well, player, and then like you know the whole Oscar Grant thing happened, and he was kind of like inspired to take action.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, even even in in You know what you you hear about Cord Jefferson and his journey going from journalist, and he's talking about you know his last big piece was like the race beat, where he kind of writes about being the black person who has to write about Trayvon Martin, who has to write about Mike Brown, who has to write about you know all of these tragedies and the and the toll it takes on you because there's no other black people at you know the the outfit that you work for, so they're like so Cord uh you know we need a we need a piece about this and like here you go you know and it's like oh man you know i gotta do this again like i i can write about so many other different things you know but here i am doing this again um and so you you kind of see how he kind of makes that journey and and he's also talking about how he's like always wanted to do art but was like didn't feel like he had a way to to get in there you know so like journalism was kind of the fallback but then you know he gets a he gets an opportunity to jump in and i think that uh you know there's two there's two more quotes that i want to read from him before we wrap up because i think it is interesting just hearing a lot of the things that he has to say but how a lot of those things play into this movie because in this new york times times interview that he does he's talking about one of his friends and he says, I'll tell you a true story of something that happened to a friend that exemplifies, you know, this this movie perfectly is that she went into a meeting at this production company and they're like, what are you interested in writing? And she says, I'm interested in romantic comedies like When Harry Met Sally or Sleepless in Seattle, you know, classic generational stuff, newer Ephron comedies. I would also love to write like a 90s style erotic thriller. And they're like, all right, great. We'll come back to you, you know, with some ideas in a little bit. And about three hours later, they call her and they say, we've got this story about a blind slave who... Thanks to a wealthy white benefactor, learns to play the piano and becomes a piano prodigy. Are you interested in this? And it's like, one, I'm waiting for us to do that movie on here. Because, like, if they pitch that, <laughs> you know that's in the pipeline somewhere. That, that's uh, definitely a movie we had to watch. <laughs> two, though, I think it, it it really goes to show, again, like the limiting nature of... You know the studios and the systems that that you know we have to navigate and work through and just seeing I, I think there's there is there is an interesting element at play that i think could have been layered on a bit more where sure monk is going through this but it also feels like his whole family's going through it it feels like yeah. you know in in uh you know sterling k brown's character's life he's a plastic surgeon but it feels like he's also, like, limited in being, you know, a black man in this field and not being able to necessarily be, you know, advancing or moving along is probably as quick as some of his white counterparts. You've got, uh, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross, Lisa, who is working at, you know, this um, Planned Parenthood clinic, and it's like, yeah, like, I love the job, but, like, it also sucks you know and i'm like trying to navigate these spaces as a black woman and like knowing all the things i know and like trying to help these people but it's it there's certainly systems and things that are keeping me from from doing the job the way that i want to do it and it would have been nice to have to, to see that narrative kind of you know play out yeah elaborated on more is that like it's not it's not just this it's not just the entertainment industry it's not just you know the the literary industry but it's like basically yeah any space that you're black in not only are there presumably glass ceilings at play but also like you the the twice as hard you know theory Mm -hmm. having to take the long way around you know watching People get promotions for, you know, reasons that don't make sense. Having to, you know, shrink yourself to fit into, you know, specifically more corporate environments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I... I It was happening, but, like, I wish there was a bit more emphasis on just the general, like, code switching um, that people have to do in general. But, like, specifically for Monk, like, I mean, he's, he's code switching in the opposite direction you know right in terms of like he's got to he's got to turn up the elements that you usually turn down you know when you're around white people and just kind of playing with that a bit more because like you know in in a lot of ways monk's character is what white people like you know what i mean like he's right. uh, well-read respected dresses non-threatening he doesn't i mean i'm sure people find jeffrey wright threatening just because he is a black man so that's nothing he can really do about that but at the same time like you know if you come into the office and your polo and your corduroy pants and you smile and you know (laughs) like people are like hey you know it's it's such and such and so and so but like you know if you just have a neutral look on your face or you know you didn't get a haircut that weekend or uh you're doing something any number of things you yeah. know what I mean, like Tracy Ellis Ross in the roundtable was was like, um, you know, before I even get on set. Sometimes they're like, you know, Tracy, I know your hair is difficult, and she's like, my hair is difficult. Like, we're not even talking about me. Like, my, <laughs> you know, like we're always we're how was my, hair, my hair, hair, hair being difficult? What the right. fuck? It's like, it's my like hair. I can't what? ask for nothing. <laughs> so. You know, but but it's that kind of thing where it's just like yeah. you're already behind the eight ball in so many different ways. Yeah. Um and so kind of that that reverse of like he's going from a space where maybe white people don't necessarily treat him as like their best friend, but he's he's been able to move around white spaces in a way that they're like, Oh, like you're not us, but like they're, you're one of the yeah. good ones. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we we like having you around. And then go into a place where it's like, oh, you scare us, you know, but like, but we like it, but and, we and like, it's it. kind of, you know, it's um, kind of confusing. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know what you want from me anymore. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, that would be frustrating. Wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. that be frustrating? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> um. Well, let's wrap things up. I think one by telling people to go, go see the movie, um, yeah, you know, it's definitely sure. now, now, playing it at, I don't know if it's, na- I think it is nationwide. I think, I think it, it's this nationwide is, now. This is the official release everywhere. Um, it's been out for a month. Because, yeah, I mean, if you didn't know, it won the People's Choice Awards at the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, you know, it's got a lot of other award nominations from film festivals, but also critics' choices. It's, it's nominated um, for a couple of other things. And, you know, people are like, hey, you know, maybe... Right? You know, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright nominated for a Golden Globe. Uh, the movie yeah. was nominated for a Golden Globe. So, you know, people are like, alright, Oscars, are we going to do this? Uh, I would say it so, stands
1: a chance. Definitely. At the yeah, that was going to be my question. It's
2: like, like, what do you what do you think if if it gets nominated, what do you think it, it gets nominated for? Oh. And, and what do you feel like its general chances are? You know, against it's the field.
1: I'm going to say... I haven't been making a whole lot of predictions over the years. I don't really do predictions. Yeah. I do like uh w- once that all comes out, then I do my predictions. But I, I Okay. Uh, but I guess I-, I could see it definitely getting a nomination for picture.
2: Mm-hmm. I could
1: see it getting nominated for adaptive screenplay. That's probably the one the one out of these is that's definitely happening is yeah. uh adaptive screenplay. I could see Best Actor nomination for uh, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. They don't got like new director award, but I don't see him getting getting the director nomination because I feel like the only first timer that's going to get that nomination is going to be that uh, Celine song for Past Lives. I think. But Adapted Screenplay is like nothing to sneeze at. That's that's usually the award that goes to the movie that should have got Best Picture. Usually gets yeah. screenplay. <laughs> That's what happens. Like I'm gonna say ten times out of ten. Yeah. Watch this year's Oscars. Go through the Wikipedia page. I'm gonna tell you. You're gonna be like, oh, the one that won screenplay was like super dope, and the yeah. one that won that year pisses me off to this day.
0: <laughs>
1: um. But yeah, I think the Guarantee Lock nomination is screenplay. And I think the Guarantee Lock win might even be screenplay. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Because as people have been saying, this is going to be the year where not only are there going to be so many deserving movies that don't win, but also movies that just don't get nominated. And aren't going to get nominated. Um, And I think, you know, it's, it's weird generally because the oscars have been at, at once patting themselves on the back for the last like three or four years of like oh yeah we're, we're doing it guys come on look at all these people that you know we had the rrr guys dance you know on stage like, was you, here come on one year you know <laughs> so I, I think there's but at the same yeah. time even with all the changes that they've made obviously like that voting block is still majority white like it's not like you know things have changed oh, but it ain't really changed you know majority white majority male majority like 50 plus you know so like people who maybe I mean, it's not that they wouldn't watch this movie but it, it would also be like um with all the other big pictures that came out you know like all these their attention is all over the place and so right. I, I would I would agree with Uh, best adapted screenplay i would hold out hope that jeffrey wright would get a nomination you know what i mean like he's one of those actors that i feel like every time you see him um not only is it is it just a pleasure to watch him work but Mm. look at the 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 longevity of his career the varied roles he's played throughout his career and how he's able to bring you know like obviously Denzel gets all the accolades and uh you know there's right, certainly the a lot of yeah there's certainly a lot of other actors who have had success but like his his longevity I think is something that we don't talk about enough you know just in terms of mm. like you know my guy was Basquiat <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> way back in the day we could do it we it, could do it because he's it, the guy yeah and like he's able to like he's one of those guys who can who can certainly slip into a role you know in a Mm -hmm. way that you're just like maybe like obviously he's got he's got one of those faces that you're like that's jeffrey i know i know what jeffrey Wright looks like like he's not gonna he's not gonna trick you you know in terms of like i didn't (laughs) even know that was him um but the way that he plays a character like he's he's certainly not what you would call a character actor i guess you know in the sense of like you know, they tried oh, to like do it to him
1: he, early in his career, but yeah, he broke out very
2: quickly. He did, but he's he, but he still has that ability where he's just. It's not like oh, it's Jeffrey Wright, you know. Like he he is playing a character in right. each of his roles. Like he's certainly giving you something different, and he's able to pick it up. But it's it's done in such a, a natural, seamless way that like. And I think, you know, because Sterling, Sterling K. Brown, when they were doing the round table, was, like, giving him all the flowers and, like, you know, gushing, you know, having had the opportunity to work with him. But, like, I think he's one of those actors that if you are an actor, you pick up on all the little things that he does um, and how they're just, like, so seamless, you know, in his performance. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: His por- his performance is probably the most textured of the movie, and I I really right. did appreciate it.
2: And that's why I'm, I'm I'm like I I know he's he's up against the field, so it's not even like expecting him yeah. to win. Right. But I I would I, if he got nominated, I would definitely be like you know well deserved you know because it wasn't yeah. like we're just giving this to you because we feel like we should maybe give this movie more than one thing. It's like no, he he earned that. He deserved that. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I think obviously this award season is going to be hectic for a lot of people, you know, even like recently Ava DuVernay and, um, I want to look her name up, but the, the director of, um, one of the million were like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't even get, I mean, forget nominated. Like people weren't even looking at us. You know? People weren't even <laughs> looking
1: at, um, I'm going to say Ava DuVernay's movie Origin came out at the wrong time. Just I I don't I I think it's timing for that movie. It should have came out at least a month earlier, or just pushed it to 2024 and just like moved on with things like and just let the movie come out a year later. Uh, It's unfortunate what's happened to that movie because I I do want to see it desperately. Uh, I'm talking about Ava DuVernay's film Origin about, um, uh, well, based on the book uh, Cast. And it's about how um, how we're all born into different caste systems, and mm-hmm. kind of like that's why that's why people are in the positions that they are in generation after generation after generation. Hmm. I, I I desperately want to see that movie, but it's yeah. not like it's not accessible oh, mainly right. because it, it it came out through a Ray and not through a major studio,
2: right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, even like One in a Million was streaming on Amazon. Uh, yeah. Director A.V. Rockwell uh, wanted to get her name in there. but...
1: Oh, 1001. Like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry.
2: Yeah. Well, because it's, it's, well, but, but both of them. I mean, Ava DuVernay's been talking about, you know, Origin recently and like trying to get that in front of people. And then A.V. Rockwell was also like having a hard time over here too, you know? And, yeah. And I feel and like that movie came out in summer right but i think that's it just goes to show you know like as 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 successful as you know these movies may be and certainly in in the black community like we'll go see and support certain things like that that ability to break through and that's why i feel like american fiction is the kind of movie that i think isn't necessarily like it, it it is buzzy enough that I think it, it sure. kind of breaks through the noise of, oh, it's like a black movie with a bunch of black people in it, and maybe you know that's not what I'm going to do with my Sunday afternoon. Um, but you know, it's it's able to get through that space, but it's also still like I can I can certainly see it, maybe maybe not getting you know the audience that it deserves just because there's so much going on, and now we're we're getting towards play catch-up period you know like i just saw poor things and you know the boy and the heron and you know i'm Ooh. sure there's other people Ooh. who are probably also like oh man you know all these movies that i didn't get to see like let me go right play catch-up you know before uh you know the oscars come around and so it's it's, it's certainly yeah it's advantageous in the sense that it is out now and you know people can go see it alongside all those other films you know like it's gonna mm-hmm. have a run where it kind of coincides with oscars coming up so like hopefully that gets more people's attention but it's also still like yeah you know it's gonna be because i was looking for the budget and i saw a number that i was like no fucking way and then i saw a number that i was like that seems like what it costs to make a movie uh because one 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 site had the budget at 1.8 million dollars and i was like bro that's like that's impossible. a day of filming <laughs> like, that, that was not, impossible. that's not, not going to get you nowhere uh you can't even like rent a location
1: um yeah for and
2: the, what <laughs> but then there was another one that was 25 million dollars and i was like that seems like that yeah you could probably have done that for that and but in the
1: whoa but in the interview that we saw he said that he got way under 10
2: well somebody offered him way under 10 and that's why he went with. Uh, oh, I thought that's what he got. The studio he went with. Yeah, I'll let me see if I can find it. Because um, yeah, this last quote where he says, um, "You know, when T Street." The producer of american fiction told me that they're a green line in the movie i started crying in the meeting because i had been told no for so long i'd worked on all these things that just sort of went nowhere and it starts to break your heart and eventually you wonder is this ever going to happen for me is this is this just going to be a thing that i wanted to do my whole life um but i never got to accomplish and so the fact that i was able to crack the door just a little bit to make this you know i feel incredibly honored and i think that again speaks to you know like even, uh, yeah, the Mike to you they were like, oh, yeah, my agent was like, oh, man, just wait. The offers are going to come rolling in. Like, all this money's coming. And yep. certainly offers came in. But, yeah, like certain people value things differently, you know, even if they have the ability to make the film. And, you know, he even said, hey, people were, were apologetic because they were like, we love this movie. We We would love to make this movie. You know, we just can't. And it's like, but why not? You know what? Wh- yeah. <laughs> what, what? Yeah, what is it that's stopping you from making this movie? If you <laughs> love it so much, um, right? You know, and I think that that goes to. I mean, we'll we'll post this interview because there's really much you know worth watching and reading. Um, but you know, they kind of talk about there's there's so much, not just risk aversion in Hollywood, but also like people are doing. It's it's almost like Moneyball with film, where people are like. This this is going to make money, and this is not. And yeah, what's the we secret know
1: algorithm sp- to say what thing will make the money?
2: Yeah, and we're not basing. Yeah, this they're not on even going like,
1: for risk aversion. They're going for like right. what quadrants does it hit, and if it doesn't right. hit any of the quadrants, it's not even worthwhile to us.
2: Right, because th- we're not basing this on like the quality of the film or like you know what what might be popular or speak to certain demographics. We're literally just like this doesn't fit within you know these these spectrums that we deem to be a successful film cuz i think right. they were they were saying i i don't know what studio this was but it was like a, a a guess a big new chinese studio and somebody asked them would you make um you know the green mile today and they were like no and it's like that's an Oscar film And won that's an Oscar, yeah, multiple Oscars. Yeah. Like, what are you talking
1: about? You know,
2: and that's but that's the thing. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, like that movie doesn't check the boxes that we look for now, and so and that's no, what we're looking we, for is checking boxes, You're right? As opposed to like, oh, like we we see even because that's what Cord was saying. He was like, you know, I I had a lot of different ideas, but I was like, if I could just. Choose small budget, big concept, right? Like a movie that I can make on a smaller budget, but has a big, you know, conceit, a big Idea. appeal. You know, yeah. like that. That that's the movie that's going to get made instead of like, you know, the sci-fi blockbuster that, you know, maybe cost a bit more. And they're like, ah, we don't know about that. You know, that that yeah. might be with it, but I might be able to convince somebody to say, you just need how much? Yeah, all right, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like this movie succeeds it's it's a huge you know boon for us because we got you know the buzzy uh we got the coda you know of yeah, the year we had that's like, coda. <laughs> right you know what i mean that we shot on a string and made like you know hundreds of millions of dollars um uh, and crazy. if it doesn't that's make money true. then we don't like who cares like it's a tax write-off like right at the end <laughs> you know, of the day yeah no it, money it, lost it, we, so
1: we write it off yeah we don't lose
2: <laughs> yeah well I think we're going to wrap it here, but I would say for everybody, definitely go check out American fiction. I feel like it's a movie that um, is, is not simply just worth your time, but I think if you like the discussions that we have on the show, like it does hit a lot of those. Yeah. A lot of those things because it is, it's, it's not as biting as bamboozled. And I think (laughs) It's not certainly as um, as as direct, maybe as 40 year old version, but I think that it not only does it does every it does everything that it does well. Um, but I think it is yeah, a it movie succeeds. that certainly, yeah, and and it asks different questions I think than either of those movies ask, which right. I think certainly does you know put it in a in a space by itself where you know we are getting into a bit more of how we view black art generally instead of just like you know our own personal value but like challenging how we value things that you know a lot of people do like maybe it might not be for us but is it should we spend our time judging something just because it's not our particular cup of tea or is it like hey maybe i'm not gonna read that book watch that movie listen to that album but like I certainly don't begrudge it for existing. And like, tell them, I'm, tell I'm, ha- I'm happy that people get joy out of it. You know, it's not hurting anybody. So, like, just let it be and let it rock. And like, you know, there'll be something for you down the line. You know? I like that. Um, yeah. Well, I think we'll be back next week with, or in two weeks with another movie. Uh, but <laughs> this was, sure. I, I. I feel like this was a nice break for us to actually have a, a conversation about something that we liked and, yeah. you know, wasn't like deeply hurting our soul. <laughs> a welcome I detour. Tell, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think our audience is uh, masochistic in that way where they like it when it hurts us, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, like it's, it can, it. It can certainly be. I I get the entertainment value when it's like, yeah, this fucking movie. Um, but we also like to have nice things sometimes, and this was a nice thing that I'm glad we we got to talk about.
1: Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, well, as always, you can find us at White People Won't Save You, uh, White Underscore Pod on, I, you know, uh, it is Twitter.com still. I, I was gonna say Jack. Jack named it Twitter, I'm gonna call it Twitter, you know. So There you go. Yeah. It's still, it's still still Twitter to me. Um, yeah, white underscore pod there. You can also write us at whitepeople at gmail.com. Cameron, where can the people find you?
1: Uh you can find me at the blipster eleven thirty eight on Insta Twitter and uh TikTok. I put up a I put up one last week. You might get another one this week.
2: Ticking the talking.
1: Slow, but slow motion better than no motion.
2: Do it. Do it. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JRSosa18. But we'll be back in two more weeks with more Caucasity. Peace.
1: Peace.
0: You Can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Can't save us. We don't want to be saved. Can't save us. We don't want to be saved.